What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Unprofoundly Chill. This is your host, Joe Navarro. Uh, I hope you're doing okay, you beautiful person, you amazing being. You know, I hope everything is going well in your life. I hope you get everything you wish for. I have some show dates right now. Um, this Sunday, uh, it is April. May 1st, Sunday, May 1st, 8 p.m. I'll be at the Seeker Group doing the uh, Hot Bread show. Uh, and then uh, what else? I got Tuesday Gigante, May 10th at 8 p.m. at the Seeker Group as well. I'll be on a Tuesday. Uh, I also have May 14th. That's my show. My baby, Chill Bra, the Chill Bra Comedy Show. It's amazing. It's awesome. It's one of the best shows in Houston. It's gonna be wild. We got some got some funny comics. We got my boy Enrique Chacon. We got Shelby Morgan. We got Mason James, Ricky Rivera. We got my boy Reggie Rose. And the one and only Marlo Ray. So it's gonna be a good show. That'll be Saturday, May 14th, 8 p.m. I've changed it. It's no longer ten dollars. I'm, I'm like, you know what? Let me let me help the people out. It's five dollars. The five dollar show, and tickets are available on Eventbrite. Get your tickets right now because this is gonna be an amazing show. It's only five dollars, dude. You can afford that, and it's a fun show. And we got a lot of funny comics. And your boy is an amazing host. I'll say that right now. Your boy can, your boy can rock the mic. So uh, also follow Chillbro Comedy. The Chilbra Comedy Show on uh, Instagram. Woo! Comedy Showcase, baby. Amazing. Amazing. And uh, also, you know, always follow me on Instagram. The Jokosity. I'm making more videos. I'm doing more content. Getting out there and doing things. But uh, this next guest, I want to introduce. He is a funny guy. He's been doing comedy for a long time. I respect the dude. He's beloved in the Houston comedy scene. And I am so proud to have him on the podcast. And uh, I love him. I think he's hilarious. I know you will, too. Yeah, he was on uh, America's Got Talent. He's been he's in the Houston comedy scene. He's done shows all around Texas. And uh, he, he talks about his story. And it's a great, great, great story. We only got to talk for a little bit. But for the small amount of time that we got together i enjoyed so much and uh well my next guest is andy huggins andy huggins everybody and uh this is a good interview so uh stay tuned and let's start the show that that sounds good there we go okay great very good so <laughs> have you is this your first time on a podcast or have no you done i've done uh i've done many many podcasts really yeah <laughs> are they usually at uh somebody's house uh quite often you know i bet more often than not it's been over the phone so what would you rather prefer? Would you rather prefer Zoom over the phone or in person? I, I like in person. I think in person is better. Zoom's a little, it, it's like 98% reliable. but Yeah, because sometimes it, it does lag, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just weird talking to a, to me it's weird 
talking to a uh, 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 a screen to somebody who's in yeah. it. That's just it's a little bit weird to me. Uh, certainly compared to being live with a person, that's just better. Yeah, it's better, it's, it's, way it's better. better. Have you ever had somebody lag in front of you? <laughs> I don't think so. Not. Um, They're like you're talking to them, then they just go. No, I don't. Uh, I don't recall that. <laughs> that would be funny though. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, welcome to my podcast. It's called Unprofoundly Chill. Okay. And uh, if you want, I can move the table up a little. No, further. no, no. Okay. That, we're fine. Okay. Are you comfortable? I am comfortable. Okay. Because to I, those listening to the podcast, let me apologize because I'm just on my second cup of coffee. I usually need three <laughs> before I'm functional. And I was out, uh, got in late last night for no reason other than I had a gig in, uh, in Lake Jackson. So we got back to Houston about oh, 1230 nice. and, okay. you know, unwinding from the gig uh, takes a little bit of time. So I didn't. I didn't didn't go to bed as early as I normally do. Didn't get didn't get to sleep, so I might not be as uh, coherent. So after a show, what's your process of unwinding? Just being by myself, and and just going over the action, just relaxing as best I can. You know, it depends. Like last night, I was uh, featuring, and so there was another. I had to wait for the and I rode with uh, Rich Williams. I don't know if you know Rich. I know Rich. Yeah. yeah. We went down there together, came back together, and so I had to wait for his act uh, to be done. So, but you know, I get off. I, I evidently, I have a uh, demeanor that uh, tells people to leave me alone. <laughs> so people don't. Can I curse on this? Yeah, you can curse. Yeah, Go ahead. people don't fuck with me when I'm, when I'm. I mean, you know, like wanting to talk or getting in. Now, do you like that? Oh, I love that. I like being by myself. <laughs> I love being by myself. <laughs> oh, man, it's awesome. And, and you know what? I like people. I like people a lot. I get along well with people. People seem to like me, but I tell you what, I'm my dad's son. I just soon be by myself. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. I am the and same I, and way. I, and I like, like I say, I like people. Yeah, I like people too, but sometimes, like, it's too much. Yeah. Like, uh, would you describe yourself as an introvert? No, no, uh, I, I would... Uh, Describe myself as a very selective extrovert. <laughs> so, I, 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 okay. I'm, I'm outgoing, but, you know. You I'm also kind need your own time. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a new phrase. It's called omnivert, which is a, basically a mix of extrovert and introvert. So I feel like a lot of comics are like that. Like, yeah. They're both. Yeah. Sometimes you need your alone time to be creative, write, oh, yeah. think well, of stuff. Yeah, I'm eating, uh, you know, I'm meeting um, some people for lunch and I'm looking forward to it. Um, tonight I'll be at the secret group, uh, performing and hanging out in the green room with other comics. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but when the show's over, uh, I'm going to look forward to getting back home and just, I live by myself and I like that. So yeah, I guess I'm an omnivert. Yeah. Uh, I can see that. Yeah. I, 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 like I said, I think of myself as kind of a selective. Well, I, I, I feel like you have to be like that because for the most part, from what I've seen, is like a lot of people come up to you a lot and they'll talk, talk your ear off or whatever. And in other like comics, open mics and stuff like that, will just ask you questions. Yeah, they, they do. And I don't <laughs> mind for the most part. I, again, if I, if I'm of a frame of mind to be by myself, I think people sense that and they, yeah. They leave me alone. But yeah, I, you know, I love talking comedy and uh, 
if somebody wants to come up and ask me a question or uh, uh, talk about some aspect of comedy, yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. I have a standing offer to any comic, any person actually in in Houston. You buy me breakfast, you can ask me all the questions you want. I'll sit there and eat my bacon and eggs and uh, drink my coffee and answer any question. I'll do that all day, all night. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what we're doing right now. Yeah. I, get you, I got your coffee. I got my coffee. want to talk your ear off about some comedies. Yeah. So, uh, how long have you been doing stand-up? Since 19, really, I'll say 1978. It was real late in 77, I think, December, when I first made a move. But uh, 1978, so what's that? It's 22 plus 22 is 44, 44 years. 44 years, dang. That's crazy, and I'm pretty sure you've loved every moment of it. Not every moment of it, uh, and there was a time where I wasn't performing much because I got a, a bit burnt out. I think if you're at it 44 years, there's going to be periods where you get a little bit burnt out. But for the most part, I certainly I, I, I've gone back into it full time back in 2010. Uh, and I've loved every moment of that. So for the past 12 years? 12 years I've been going at it hard. hard. Yeah. So like when you were burnt out, why do you think that happened? Oh, lack of direction. You know, on my part, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do and how I go go about it. I had, um, I had uh, some friends move. I, I mean, I lost my support group, kind, uh, you know, in a manner of speaking. Um and so I was kind of adrift. And at that time, I got involved with the local uh, community theater. Mm-hmm. So I, I did a lot of acting in, in plays. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and I, I wrote two children's plays that were produced. So um, uh, what, what that they... occupied a lot of my, that, that occupied all my time, actually, because the, the, the community theater uh, uh, used, used me a lot. And I was always busy acting. So you like acting a lot. I like it. You know, I you know what I like about that. Um, uh, I like the I like rehearsal. I like everything I like about acting is kind of uh, in opposition to everything I like about stand up. Uh-huh. I like working by myself in stand up. I'm solely responsible for everything that happens. But I also like working. I guess we're back to being an omnivert. Also, like working with other people, and you know, starting from the ground floor with a play and and putting it together, rehearsing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I enjoy I enjoyed that, but now the I'm com- back camaraderie of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm back to stand up. Uh, I, I I I don't do any acting anymore. I'm not involved with the uh, the theater anymore. Uh, but. Uh, Actually, I made a lot of great friends when I was there that I'm still uh, friends with. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm back to doing just strictly stand up, and I love it. I love uh, I love the solitariness of it. So I guess what we're uh, we're discovering here is that uh, comics, me, most comics, it's just a mass of contradictions. Yeah, for the most part. Uh, and I can you see know, that. You, a good thing. I don't know if I battled it when I was younger. But being 72 years old, I'm re- just real comfortable with whatever I am. Yeah. So if there are contradictions, let them let there be contradictions. I don't care. If that puzzles some people or it, if that makes me hard to define, that's fine. I think it's what makes you you. Yeah. Those contradictions, what makes you special. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. 
for the most part. I mean, because, like, you, so with the acting, like, uh, what got you in it at first? I don't know. A, a friend had me, uh, uh, do you know Tommy Drake? I know, yes. Yeah, Tommy had me act in a, a, a sketch that he wanted to film. And I kind of enjoyed doing that. And I was a bit, like I said, burnt out about uh, with stand-up. So did you like it because it was so different from stand-up? It was just a new creative? I liked it because it was creative. Yes. And I was going to be on stage. Uh, and another great thing about it, somebody else was responsible for the writing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. If, All you had to do was just go and perform. Yeah, if, yeah. It, if it fell flat, hey, I didn't write this shit. <laughs> I just hit my mark and said said the lines. So, uh, yeah, so I... I, I I knew I wanted to be creative. I wanted to keep that aspect of my life going. So that seemed like a reasonable uh, move over, you know, kind of a sideway. It wasn't a move up. It wasn't a move down. It was kind of like a sideway move from stand-up. Yeah. I mean, so when where did you start stand-up? Uh, I started really, I did a few, I was living in Virginia. This is 1977. Uh not a whole lot of opportunities in Virginia in 1977 to do stand-up. Uh-huh. But a friend of mine got me uh, an opportunity to perform at a, at a, uh, it was at a, uh, upstairs from a restaurant. It was real nice, kind of a, not a lot unlike Rudyard's, uh, which has a, an upstairs. Oh, where, yeah. downstairs bars and an upstairs. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, so uh, he talked me into going on between a folk singer, uh, we still had folk singers in Virginia in 1977. So I went up really? a couple of times and did did stand up and just decided I wanted to just attack it full time. So I went out to Los Angeles in late 77, 78. So why, why Los Angeles immediately? Why not just be in the scene where you're at? and then There was no it? scene where I was at. Oh, really? Yeah, there's no scene where I was at. There was no scene. Today, in 2022... I'm sure Charlottesville, Virginia has uh, an, an open mic someplace. Uh-huh. Uh, Richmond is nearby. Uh, and, you know, all kinds of, uh, you know, Blacksburg and Roanoke and Norfolk. They all have comedy clubs now. Uh-huh. But back then, nothing. There was nothing. In New York. Now, as it happens, but I didn't know about it, Houston had the comedy workshop in 77. But I, I had never heard of it. But that had been an interesting uh, move to go from. Virginia and start out at the workshop in 77. Um, but I didn't know about it. What well, I knew you, about was, yeah. the, I knew about the comedy store in Los Angeles. Cause if you watch stand up on TV, uh, invariably they mentioned the comedy store. Wait, be so did, you, did you perform for Mitzi? Yeah. What happened was I went out there with absolutely no plan other than there was an open mic at the comedy store on Monday that was all I knew. That that was the extent of my plan. It I think back on it now, and it's just absolutely insta- insane stupid. in its stupidity. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend anybody thinking about going into stand up uh, out of civilian life. Uh, don't do what I did. Just immediately. I, just that. Yeah, you know, I, lifestyle I, change. I yeah I didn't know what I was doing, but I can't tell you how blessed I was. I got so. So lucky. I went out there the first night, and it's random, and and I randomly caught a good spot on the show and had a good set. So they asked me to come back next week. I thought 
it was just to do another show. I had a good set. Let let him do another another set. Now, so I went, now, did you have rehearsed material, or were you just going off the top of your head? Oh, I had rehearsed material. I've uh-huh. never I've never winged it on on stage. Uh, I, no, I've always had it written and and rehearsed. Uh, so I went back the next week, and unbeknownst to me, what I was doing, what the uh, two MCs, Robert Aguayo and Danny Mora, had arranged, was me to audition for Mitzi. I didn't know that's what I was doing. I didn't know she was in the audience uh, until after I got off. And I'm not even, I guess I probably knew who she was, but I don't remember that specifically. But um, Well, at this time, was she like a big yes person in the comedy scene you know absolutely yeah absolutely so i got off stage and they brought me over to her booth where she was sitting and she told me okay you're a regular you can call in for uh spots really yeah so wow. yeah i how, how how were you feeling at that moment did you know what was happening you know i don't i yeah i knew what was happening i was kind of uh stunned that it happened so not easily, but well, kind of easily, I guess. I, Very you know, quickly. I can, yeah, you quickly, worked up sir. the ranks so yeah. quickly. Yeah. Well, not up the rank, but I got inside the door. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah, you know, like the first night, I could have been, I could have gone on real late uh, that first uh, night and had a miserable set because there was nobody in the audience. I got lucky with the uh, the with my time spot. Yeah. Dumb luck. Dumb luck. But or you're, blessing. You're, you know, I used to tell my friend every once in a while when I would use the phrase luck with my friend uh, Ron Schock, he'd correct me and go, no, no, you're blessed. So, And that's really how I think of it. I, I, I'm you blessed. are. You are very blessed. Uh, I'm blessed. Yeah. And I got blessed with a great spot that first night. And I tell you else what, what happened, I'm told, and this is this is the comedy world at its at its most typical Mitzi when she sits in her booth to watch other acts other comics would come over and just start talking to her and distract her from uh what's going on on stage and some of it might be a little bit of gamesmanship yeah, on their sure. part yeah, yeah you don't want another comic on the scene I mean I did, I'd imagine the moment Mitzi told you you were past a lot of other comics were like who the hell is this guy yeah yet another person i got to compete with yeah but what happened that night was mike binder who at the time was a comic and now is a very well-known director he's directed a lot of comedy uh specials like bill burr's last comedy special i've heard of mike binder yeah Yeah, back then he was like 18 19 20 years old he was a big favorite of mitzi's at the store really Uh, he came over sat in her booth and said pay attention to this guy and he wouldn't let her be distracted uh, by whatever might have distracted her. So she watched me. And I think, I suspect, and I've never talked to Mike or I didn't never talk to Mitzi about it. But I suspect that the fact that Mike said you got to pay attention to her, passed, I, I was probably passed at that point. No yeah. Matter, yeah, no matter what she thought of me, the exactly. fact that Mike liked me got probably got me passed that that i'm pretty sure that helped you out yeah. a lot. oh sure yeah sure so blessed 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 every step of the way but did mike was mike watching you before that? he must have seen me the week before ah so and that again another blessing he didn't have to blessing. be in the room when i was performing but he was there he just happened to be in he the room when i uh, went on stage and he liked what i did 
I mean, that's great. I mean, to go from Virginia, immediately go to the comedy store in L.A., do a couple sets, and then get past. Like you said, that's a blessing. Yeah. Like, that doesn't happen to everybody. No, no, no. Now, the the, the result was I got to call in for spots, and sometimes I got spots, and sometimes I didn't. I go okay. weeks without getting any spots, and you you sit going, well, is she pissed at me? What did I do wrong? The next thing you know, you're working every night so it's very hit and miss so from what i've heard from other comedians on podcasts it's like you work really really hard to get past but the moment you do that's where the work really starts well yeah that's you know and that's where you know a new set of anxiety sets in because you don't know you know you can only do what you do and you don't know you're not real sure what mitzi's here i like i worked a lot at uh, the comedy store in westwood uh I don't know what she heard about. She never came to Westwood. She never came to Westwood. So I don't know who told her how I was doing. I don't know if somebody would, I assume a manager, one, and they had, I don't know, two dozen managers in the time I was out there. I don't know if they reported back to her. I, 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 I have no yeah, idea you, how you it worked. no clue. I no clue as to how it worked. Yeah. Every once in a while I get spots at the Sunset Store and, she may or may not have been in the room at the time. Who knows how it worked? It's very random. So I've never in my, yeah, in, in, in my experience, it was just very random. Unless you work real hard at getting her attention and schmoozing and networking, which is something I don't do well. I've never done well. Uh, I'm not going to learn how to do it uh, at this point in my life. It's not going to happen. But that's what you have to do. You have to be in their. You have to be in their face, kind of. You know, you know, it probably would have helped if I went out to Sunset, even if I wasn't on the bill, or uh, and 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 uh, uh, hung out, at least. hung out more at Sunset, or hung out when she was around. Now I did end up working in the Comedy Store office, and that kind of reminded her that I was alive, but I don't know that it resulted in. Uh, I mean, I was working there; I wasn't schmoozing. So that that probably helped a little bit at times when she when it occurred to her to give me spots, then she could see me there every day for a month and it not register. It's very random, which means it was very frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see that. I mean, how were you? How were you feeling at the time? Like you were working there, you were getting spots every once in a while. Like you were actually in the comedy store. Like how was how how were you feeling at that time? Uh, again, as I uh, mentioned not uh, too long ago, a lot of anxiety. Anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but every once in a while you, you'd have those moments on stage or you'd have those mo- moments uh, hanging out with the, you, you know, with the Letterman or Leno or Jimmy Walker or Lame. And you feel like, oh, you know what? I'm a comic. These are all people I've been watching on TV for the last five, six, ten years. Yeah. And I'm hanging out. And they were all great. They all treated you like an equal, even though you weren't. They would always like you to, you know, you go up to Steve Landisberg or Letterman or Leno. And they go, they'd always, they'd never tell you how they were doing. They'd never boast about their career. And obviously they had a lot to boast about if they wanted to. They always asked how you were doing. You get on, on stage, you're still writing. That's awesome. Yeah, they were great. They were great. Well, that's and so when, you ha- when you're hanging out backstage at Sunset with, uh, the, and you're not on the show, but you're just kind of hanging out, um, and those uh, comics uh, 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 
uh, or treating you, uh, at, like I say, as an equal. Is there any comedian in mind that you have that you had a great experience with when you were over there? I, yeah, you know. Somebody that just, you know, you just remember the whatever well, they said you know, to you. as it happens, and, uh, you know, I, I hate to name drop, or, but, but Dave Letterman and I got along real well. Mm-hmm. And I think one reason was Dave back then was just on the cusp of hitting it big. I mean, and everybody knew he was going to. Everybody knew, but he hadn't quite got there yet. So people were always bugging him, wanting to talk show business, wanting to talk, uh, you know, uh, just kissing up to him and everything. At that point, had he got in his late night show? Uh, or was it right before? This was probably, he had maybe, oh, it did before he got the late night yeah. show. He had made a couple of appearances on the Tonight Show. Yes, I remember but, that. Uh, uh, we talked baseball. He grew up in Indianapolis, of course. My family spent time in Indiana, about 30 miles west from Indianapolis. So we both watched a lot of Cincinnati Red baseball. We knew a couple of the local uh, uh, Indianapolis personalities that were on TV. So you talk baseball. You mm-hmm. talk baseball. We got along real well. Damn, that's great. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, when he started his morning show, he called me in to interview as a possible regular on the show. Wow. Obviously, I didn't get it. But he knew of me, and you know we were friends, and he liked the act. So that's uh, awesome. He, he called me, called me in to interview me about uh, some sort of position with the show. I mean, so what? What do you think happened? Was it because you weren't a fit, or because the, I have just... the slice idea? <laughs> I have the slice idea. I think, generally speaking, I wasn't a fit. Is probably an accurate. Yeah, I, I could see that uh, statement. I mean, so going from California, how did you get to Houston? In Houston, in California, I became great friends with Jimmy Pineapple, who is still my best friend to this day, 40 years later. Jimmy Pineapple. Uh, Bill Hicks, Riley Barber. Those were three Houstonians who I met out in Los Angeles. They had moved to, obviously, Los Angeles. Well, one by one, they got discouraged with their experience in Los Angeles. Also, they weren't getting a lot of spots. And so they moved back to Houston in one day in 81. So do, was it the same experience that you had because they weren't talking to people, hanging out? And Probably. Stuff like that? Certainly. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, none of those guys were great schmoozers or networkers. <laughs> they just, you know. It's tough. I mean, that's, that, that's part of the business. Yeah, like- it is. And I regret not being able to network on on it some sort of level i mean you don't have to be a kiss ass you don't have to it doesn't have to be schmoozing you can you know just make contact with people and let them know you're around and 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 in a respectful way without being overbearing you don't want to spot you know david letterman in the in 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 the hallway (laughs) and just follow him yeah follow him around (laughs) and you know Buying him drinks and, uh, you know, just in his, you don't want to do well, that. Well, when somebody does that to you, how do, how do you feel? Uh, well, you know, again, people people don't do that. To, they don't bug me. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I think I have a demeanor that tells them, you know, he wants to talk. He doesn't want to talk. He's by himself uh, reflecting uh, or he's in an outgoing chatty yeah. mood so people you know they don't uh they respect yeah they don't they don't yeah. annoy me too much people don't 
well, people don't annoy me. That's you, that's yes. a great thing about the the comedy scene here in Houston, as far as I'm concerned. Speaking selfishly, <laughs> they're, they're 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 nice. They're kind. Uh, For the most part, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're respectful. They yeah. don't annoy me. I think that's good though, because you've been around for so long. It's that like, may be it. I, you know, I have a certain, uh, you know, village el- elder. Uh, yeah, uh, that, uh, I, I can see that uh, kind of respect that I get. <laughs> you, you are the Gandalf of Houston. Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, doesn't hurt to be seventy-two years old and look it. Uh, so uh, I mean, yeah, how, how do you feel about you in the comedy, the Houston comedy scene right now? Like, do you? You like it, right? You, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of good comics, a lot of people that are going to be good comics one day. There, I wish we had another comedy club along the lines of the improv. That's the only the the. Uh, it's interesting. Rudyard's over the last year or so has inv- evolved into a comedy club. Yes, but uh, uh, it's it's a great room. It's my favorite room. Yeah, I mean, Houston. that's that's all from uh, Brian Gendron and Drew Jordan. Yeah, shout out to those guys. Well, the riot. first of all, uh, uh, Dusty Rhodes, uh, Dusty as well, established yeah. Rudyard's. Uh, I mean, they had been doing stand up there over the years for quite a few years, but Dusty established it as a comedy room on Monday nights, and I right. love Monday nights at Rudyard's. Uh, Rudyard's was the first ever open mic that I went to and yeah. it's, it's always been great and I love it so much. Like, uh, Dusty has done a great job with that room Yeah, and she's, I mean, kudos to her. Yeah, I, I absolutely. Love I love it. Absolutely. And then Brian and, and, and Drew have come in and, and taken Tuesday through Sunday. Yeah. And I don't know that there's a show ever. It seems like there's a show of some sort there every night. There's always something going yeah, on. Yeah, it used yeah. to be primarily a music venue, but now it's primarily a comedy, comedy yeah. venue. And it's a great room, but it's not It's not a comedy club. You're not going to get rich playing <laughs> Rudyard. <laughs> so, there's another great room yeah. in Houston, uh, The Box at The Secret Group. I love The Box. Oh, The Box uh, is wonderful. That's my favorite room. That's where it, I grew up as a comic in it, that room. Yeah, the Box and, and the Rudyards are two great rooms, yeah. but it, they're not full-paying comedy clubs like the Improv. We need one more comedy Actual club. Actual club. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, you know, uh, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday through uh, Sunday. Uh, boy, that used, to be the, that used to be the schedule, Joe. Tuesday through Sunday, back in the 80s, Tuesday through Sunday. Monday was an open uh, mic night at whatever club. It was great. Uh, really? Yeah, you know, you get booked at the at at the uh, last stop, which uh, we miss sorely. So, okay, yeah. so we're going back. So, I'm from California, you moved here with Bill Hicks, Jimmy Pineapple, and Riley Barber. Exactly. And so, there's l- clubs then, right? They taught me to come into Houston in '81, and there were clubs in Harris County. At one time, there must have been a half a dozen clubs. There was the workshop. There was the laugh stop. There was the good humor bar. There was the comedy showcase. Uh, there was the laugh spot. Um, there was, and then there were a couple of clubs that just were there, short period of time, but they were there. And these were all full time comedy clubs. So it was like in a golden era for Houston comedy. I think so. Yeah, and and again, you weren't going to get rich, but you could pay the rent, uh, working and never leave Harris County. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that might be exaggerating a bit. 
But uh, there were all those clubs, and there were fewer people attempting to do comedy. So, you know, do the math, more more stage time. Yeah. And more more money. Now, how did uh, the Californian audiences compare to the Houstonian audiences? You know, uh, Houstonians are uh, audiences are more diverse. But you know, I've always worked uh, the the same style. I've gotten better at it. I've become a better writer. I've become a better performer. I've become a better stand-up. But I've always done what I do the same particular style. So to me, there's no difference, and I've always done well. So as far as that goes, there's no different, and I I don't have to adjust whether I'm playing Lake Jackson or where whether I'm playing Brian or whether I'm playing yeah. the box. I, I do what I do. So to me, I'm a bad person to ask because I don't have a lot of uh, <laughs> I don't have a lot of uh, I'm not a, 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 a multi talented performer. But so, what I heard was that you used to do crowd work and you were I great at it. I used to do crowd work and I was very good at it. Uh, what happened was, and I'm uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic, and back when I was drinking, I stopped right. I was okay on stage. Where it hurt me was off stage, where the mornings and the days were just rough with the hangovers, and I just stopped writing, and I got really? tired of my yeah, I got tired of my act because I wasn't writing anything new, um, so I just started uh, ad libbing with the audience <laughs> to feel because I was bored with my act, uh, and now after having gotten sober, I'm I'm, I'm writing better, uh, and so now. I like my jokes better than I like talking to the audience. So I never talk to the audience unless I'm, uh, unless I have to. Deal yeah, with I, I can see that now. I mean, but good. yeah, I like my jokes better than I like talking to the audience. And before yeah. I talked to the audience, because I didn't like my jokes. It was like before you on stage, you were an extrovert when you were doing crowd work, but you become more of an introvert now. In uh, that sort of sense. You know, I've become more, maybe it's an introvert. I, I, it's, more self-centered really i mean i just i like my jokes it's not that i don't uh that i'm, I'm shy about it it's just okay i can talk to the audience and, and ad lib or uh-huh. i can do my jokes well i like my jokes better than i like talking to the audience well how do you feel about comics who do crowd work then it's a necessary skill and i and i have it mm-hmm. and i can use it if necessary it's just at the moment not necessary i think comics uh they overvalue crowd work. It's good to be able to do it, but it's, you know, it's, here's the deal with crowd work. When you're at living with an audience, audiences grade on a curve because it's spontaneous. So if you get off a mediocre ad lib, you're going to get a good laugh. Yeah. And if you get off a good ad lib, you're going to get a great laugh. Oh yeah. And if you get off a great ad lib, you might consider saying goodnight because, uh, that's the laughter it. and the applause is going to be so great. Yeah. So audience, you get a. I remember this happened a couple of times. I was on stage talking to the audience, got off a line that got a great laugh. I get off stage, and I think, well, okay, what was that line? Because maybe I can turn it into a regular joke, or I want to keep it in my back pocket in case the circumstances occur again. Yeah. So I go over the line in my head, and I realize that not only wasn't the line funny, it didn't even make any fucking sense. And, but they laughed because I said it in rhythm. First of all, yes. they liked me. Yes. Secondly, they 
like me a lot better it's than they because like. you've been doing stand up for so long that you just know how to do it and it just comes out naturally and it sounds like a joke it sounded like a joke exactly and, and i was in rhythm it had attitude yep. it was quick yep and they liked me and i had the microphone and the lights on me yes. the audience laughed and it didn't even make any fucking sense as a sentence i've realized that yes yeah. sometimes so the that's that the say. thing with crowd work you can yeah. get away i may be overstating it but once you realize how easy it can be to get a laugh, it gets a lot easier. Yeah. All you need to do is like take a deep breath and, and jump in, and you'll probably be okay. This is assuming you think funny. Now, if you don't think funny, <laughs> uh, well, there, there, if you don't think funny, then you got a problem. Yeah. But if you think funny, and you're fairly quick, and you know what? You. You're you're surprised yourself how quick you'll get if an audience member backs you into a corner, oh, like if you get heckled. You'll find yeah. out. Oh, geez, I'm actually pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you you can't freeze. You you got to be relaxed. You got to go after you, it. You got to oh. be relaxed, and you got that's it. If you relax and you think funny, you'll be okay. Uh, let me let me say that's my rule of thumb for crowd work. If you think funny and if you relax you'll be okay with crowd work. And, yeah, I, uh, agree, I agree. And once you realize how easy it can be to get a laugh, I, it gets even easier. I, okay, so that's a great point, and you're, I think you're right. I agree with you. Uh, it's uh, The more I do stand up, the more I, I've gotten heckled before. The, the quicker that I am, the funnier the response, the more they're quiet, and they're like, okay, this guy's got the floor. He's funny. Yeah. And But I feel like, uh, just because you can you can get a laugh or whatever with something that doesn't make sense, yeah. something that really isn't funny, but it was in the moment it was, you can't recreate it. And if you try, and I have tried to maneuver the conversation to a point to where I could do this line that got a big laugh last night, it always falls flat. Yeah, it's not the same. I think it always, not just most of the time, I think it always falls flat. Just let the moment... Uh, let the moment happen yeah. and then go on to the next moment. So that's that's what I've learned. It's just like, okay, just because this happened right now doesn't mean, like you said, you're going to be able to recreate it. So just accept it. Be like, hey, I got that the That was a great moment. And just make it seem like, yeah, I, that's me. That's, I'm hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then when the next moment comes along, you'll you'll deal with that. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and comics worry too much about, I got to do crowd work. I, I got to develop my crowd work skills. Well... It's a great skill to have because shit happens. Yeah, but like that's cool for the clubs. But when you get to the theaters and arenas, you can't really do it. No, as much. I don't. I don't. I, maybe so, some do, but it just seems you can't. It's I, too many people. Yeah, it, it seems silly. So it's silly. better to focus on your act. Yeah, and let's go to an extreme. It's silly to do crowd work when you're got a five minute spot at Rudyard. Just do material. Don't do crowd work. Uh-huh. Just do material. Here's the other thing about material versus crowd work. But the way I do material, and, and for those listening who's not familiar with my act, which is probably everybody, um, I'm a one-liner. Set up, punchline, set up, punchline. Now, if you're doing crowd work and you're talking to somebody, the punchline can show up at any moment. But they don't know when it's going to show up. Exactly. You can, you know, talk to somebody Straight question, straight question, straight question, boom, mm-hmm. punchline. So you, you have the element of surprise working for you. When you, 
doing material is a more of a challenge because I do a setup. The audience knows, you know what? The next line's supposed to be funny. Here comes the joke. <laughs> We're prepared for it. That's He's so not going to surprise us That's with true. the with the fact that it's a joke. So you got to surprise him with the, uh, the, the, the 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 humor yeah. of the joke. You got to go someplace. They they know you're going someplace. You got to take them. You got to surprise them and take them someplace they weren't anticipating exactly so it's harder i people and this might be counterintuitive to a lot of folks but i would argue that material is harder than crowd work i agree with you and that's why i like doing material more because of the difficulty it's more and that's another reason i stopped doing crowd work it was i like my uh jokes more and i like talking to the crowd and it's more of a challenge so, Absolutely, yeah. it's more of a challenge. I would argue that. And, and like I say, a lot of people I suspect would disagree with me because on the surface, crowd work looks real difficult. But like I say, if you think funny, and you, you got everything going for you. You got the microphone. You got the, uh, you got the lights. Yeah. Chances are half the time the person you're dealing with is, if not drunk, a little goofy. <laughs> And if not drunk and if not goofy, not as funny as you. That's yes. So if it turns into a battle, if you're talking to somebody who's not trying to be uh, funny, then uh, that's another situation altogether. Uh huh. But again, you you if say you think funny, um, uh, and you're relaxed, and you're talking to somebody in in, in the audience, you ask them if you think funny. You ought to be able to come up with somebody. You ask them a question. You ask them a question. By that third question, you, got you, you ought to be able. Yeah. Within the first three questions, and three questions doesn't take that long. No. And if it's a again, if it's a big laugh, it's worth waiting three questions to get it. Now, if you ask six questions and no laughs until the sixth one, I'm just going to start to get a little cranky on you. Yeah. But three questions, I think you can get away with it as long as uh, it's not. Uh, and you'll be surprised if you do crowd work, and you've probably discovered this already, how often the same responses come up. So you know over what? Over and over. You almost have material. Material. Yeah. It's material. <laughs> it just and the skill is making it look like you're saying it yep. uh, spontaneously for yep. the first time. Yep. That's the skill in, uh, in performing. You've got to make it look like this just occurred to me for the first time in the history of stand-up comedy. But you watch yeah. somebody um, like, say, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Bob Zaney. He's been around a lot. He does nothing for crowd work. And you watch Bob, the first time you see Bob, and this is like the greatest ad-libber in the history of show business. Uh-huh. You go back a second time, and you feel, oh, once again, he got this response from the audience. Once again, he did that line I heard last night. And you realize, and I'm not saying uh, it's completely similar, but just so many things uh, occur consistently. I guarantee you, if you talk to 10 people in the audience and you ask them what they do for a living, one of them's going to say nothing. Yeah. And so you have your stock reply to somebody exactly uh, who says that. And uh, they're just all sorts of uh uh, uh, responses that you 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 find yourself using when you're talking to the crowd, and it almost becomes like a, a prepared act. And that's what is 
that's why it's a part of it. You're making it seem natural. You're making it seem like you just thought of it then and there, even though you already had these responses in the back of your pocket, you know? Yeah, and I tell you what, again, to uh, uh, a mediocre ad lib under those circumstances, even though it's not really an ad lib, but it seems like an ad lib, a mediocre ad lib will get a bigger laugh than a mediocre one-liner because they're expecting, yeah. again, set up, punchline, punchline's mediocre, it's, it's going to get surprise. kind of a media. It's going to get a mediocre uh, laugh. Yeah, mediocre uh, ad lib or a mediocre perceived ad lib. It's going to get a bigger laugh because with the one liner, there's already an expectation set up. The, yeah, they're 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 so to speak leaning forward. Okay, here it comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with uh, the the ad lib, they don't know that the ad lib's going to come this at this point. Maybe it's going to come next point. They're certainly hoping it comes this point or it comes soon, <laughs> but they don't know. They don't know. Yeah. So, uh, again, to repeat myself, material's harder than crowd crowd work. Damn, I like that. I like it. That. That's, just is. That's very inside baseball too. Yeah. Like we, honestly, I don't get to talk comedy with people that often, and I love it so much. I could talk comedy all day, just like you. I yeah. love. I love talking about it. Because, like, uh, I see you as a traditional stand-up comic. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm meat and potatoes. Uh, uh, I think I think that's why a lot of the uh, comics in Houston, particularly the younger comics, admire me to the degree they do because my act is stripped down to the bare necessities. There's not a lot of – there's no padding yeah. around it. Uh it's they're, they're not long stories with occasional. I mean, it's and it's set up punchline, set up punchline, one after another, one after another, one after another. Um, uh, and I, I think you couldn't get more old school than that, because yeah. that's how it's probably how stand up started out was set up punchline. And I, that's what I started out with. Like, yeah. that's what I love the most. Like, the what I'm trying to do now is I'm doing set-up punch, but in a conversational form. Yeah. So it seems like I'm just talking to you, but really, I wrote everything that I said. I've written down, yeah. and I know where it's yeah. going to go. See, mine's not even... Mine's not conversation. Nobody talks the way I talk on stage. Yeah. Nobody talks like that off stage, yeah. set-up punch like. It's very structured, and it's... uh. Uh, uh, very highly stylized, and nobody talks like that. Now, you, you, you if you can structure it so you, it it seems conversational, like you're you might be at a bar, yeah, talking to a friend in the same manner. That's uh, that's one approach, and it it seems very natural, and it is kind of natural. Uh, but what I do isn't natural. It only works if I'm on stage with a microphone yeah. in a spotlight with an audience. Otherwise, <laughs> it would be weird if you were at a bar just doing setup punch to well, random Well, you know people. what? I tell you where it's it's weird. It's at parties and people and I don't go to parties anymore. <laughs> but when I went to when I used to go to parties and people found out I was a stand up, uh, hey, do your act. Oh. Uh, I can't do my act in a, at, at a party. I can't do setup punchline. Yeah, yeah. It's now if you were conversational, you could probably do your act without being asked. Exactly. You could just kind of just make know, it if, seem like I'm talking. You know, to the, the 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 topic of the Kardashians come up, and you got a bit mm-hmm. about them. You can just kind of naturally do the bit, and it sounds 
it sounds natural uh, standing around with four people at a party. Exactly. At the, at at the buffet, but I can't. I can't. And I tell people. I I mean, I recognized. Um, I recognized it immediately. Uh, that that's not that's not possible. Uh, awkward. It is very awkward. Because nobody, again, to repeat myself, nobody talks like I talk on stage. Nobody talks like that off stage. No, are you doing that? Without getting punched. (laughs) You you get punched if you were, because it'd be annoying. It'd be annoying. It would be annoying. I mean, but are you doing that? And you know what? People, if you try to do that, people recognize what you're doing immediately. Yes. And they call bullshit. Ah, I don't want to hear it. Come on. I don't want to hear it. Crying out your fucking... uh, one-liners on me while we're trying to have lunch. Yeah, doing your skits. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> I mean, like, that's... Do you do that on your style? Are you doing that because you want to or because it's the only thing you know? Uh, it's a combination of... And, and, and the basic reason is because that's how... Uh, off stage, I made smart-ass remarks to people. So, as opposed to doing impressions of my... Uh, teachers or acting goofy in the cafeteria. Uh, I, I, I just thought in terms of, uh, of uh, one-liners. That is kind of contradicting what I just said as far as trying out one-liners. But it's, you know, it just my one-liners offstage initially as a kid was just smart-ass remarks to things that, that happened. Uh, I'd let them set up and then I'd... Uh, Friends would do the setup, and yeah. then I'd come back. Plus, that was mostly what I saw on TV. I grew up uh, watching uh, comics on Ed Sullivan initially, and then um, uh, the afternoon talk shows like Merv Griffin and Dinah Shore and yeah. Mike Douglas. Um, and that's what comics did back then. I didn't see any long form. I've wondered um, if that was a, a style that I saw a lot of growing up before I got into stand-up, if I would have been attracted to that form. Who, but that's, well, who were your comedy influences at that time when you were growing up? Any comic on uh, Dangerfield. Well, yes. Dangerfield's a little later. Henny Youngman, who you may or may not. I know Youngman, yeah. yeah. Take my I, wife, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Greatest one-liner in the history. Very good uh, one-liner. It's too bad because that's become such a cliche that – if you really kind of think about what a great, great line that is. Four words. You got the setup and the punchline. Yeah. And four words and it's funny. Yeah. But now take my wife, please. That's become like a almost a mocking It's cliche. a catchphrase. Yeah, and yeah. so And then I people think he was also on uh, either Goodfellas. I think he was on Goodfellas too. He did he did a uh stand up on it. Uh was that Henny Youngman doing I think that was yeah. Henny Youngman. Yeah. But he used to be on Ed Sullivan uh, all the time. Now, for somebody my age, a big influence, and he came along a little later than um, the, but not much later than the Ed Sullivan uh, comics that I used to see, was Woody Allen. Uh, I've heard so much about Woody Allen. See, I can tell by the expression on your face you're not familiar. I know of the movies. Yeah, that's yeah. people don't. A lot of people don't even realize he did stand up. I knew he did stand up. I just didn't watch. Get it. the album. Yeah, uh, Woody Allen, the nightclub years, and the lines. They were one-liners. They're they're structured differently than what I do. He always kind of he would do stories, but within mm-hmm. the stories, the jokes were one-liners set up. 
punchline. And the influence, and they were just brilliant. They were just brilliant. Um, the influence that I think Woody Allen had on me was that you could be you could be intelligent and silly at the same time. I don't know if he's intelligent silliness is how I think of his stand up. Now, when I say that was an influence on me, I don't mean to imply that I'm intelligent. But what I do, and this I think is very important, the jokes are right. I use my intelligence to the to to it to its maximum. However broad yeah. I am, that's that's what you get to the fullest extent. Yeah. yeah. Now I don't know where I fall on the intelligence scale, and it doesn't matter. What matters no. is I'm using all of what I have, and so yeah. I have. That's how I think of what I do is because. Jokes used to be, uh, you know, just kind of standard, uh, very derivative. I love the stand-ups on, uh, that I saw on, uh, on uh, Ed Sullivan. But I bet if I went back and looked at him now, I'd create, jeez. Oh, yeah. yeah. Another mother-in-law joke and everything very standard. Yeah. And, and and you knew they were smarter than their jokes. Well, at the time, it was funny because it was brand new to you. But because yeah. you've been doing stand-up for so long, yeah. you've seen the same thing over and over. It's yeah. become hack. Yeah. You know, people like to talk about their Mount Rushmore of this or their Mount Rushmore of that. My Mount Rushmore of comics, if it's comics that meant a lot to me, one of the four would be a comic from the Ed Sullivan Show. Just because it was, I, I mean, to me, they were like magicians. They were special people. I was just absolutely uh, fascinated in awe of people that actually went out all by themselves, coat and tie, in front of an audience, and got laughs. Yeah. I did just, and I don't know which stand-up from Ed Sullivan I would have on Mount Rushmore, but it would have, maybe Henny Youngman, just put him <laughs> on Mount Rushmore, because it had to be one of those guys, because that's what first... Uh, uh, exposed me to the the the, the art form. Yeah. To sound pretentious for a second, yeah, I love those guys, uh, and I say guys because they were mostly men. Yeah, didn't see a lot of women on uh, Ed Sullivan. No, not that then. many. There was a great female comic called Jean Carroll that I loved, and then Joan Rivers started Ooh. appearing. I heard Joan was a beast. She was at one time. Yeah, at one time I thought I didn't. I didn't like her comedy after a certain point. There came, well, I'm not going to criticize somebody that was infinitely more successful than I'll ever be. But I, I liked her, I, I'll just say I liked her more at the first part of her career than I did at the last part. Yeah. But immensely hardworking, immensely successful, and a big influence uh, and inspiration to a lot of female comics, Joe yeah. Rivers, so tip of my hat to uh to her okay so it's almost been an hour uh i just want to ask one thing so you're doing a comedy special and uh you've just put a gofundme to a kickstarter and we kickstarter. hit the we hit the uh the goal last night what was the goal Twenty six thousand. we're at twenty eight thousand, and we still have about 60 hours to go before uh it ends uh and with kickstarter uh and i don't know if this is true of any other uh similar funding but you got to hit the goal or you don't get any of it 
So that was a little uh, anxiety producing. Uh, are we going to get it? Uh, uh, you know, if yeah. we if we came up with twenty five thousand nine hundred, we don't get it. But we're at twenty eight thousand. If people wanted to or want to contribute, this will probably air after it ends. It ends at midnight. What day? Monday. Monday. Yeah. Uh, I will put this out on Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Very so good. Just to Thank give you. People more time. Well, yeah. so go to Kickstarter. Type in my name, Andy Huggins, and um, uh, you, if you like, you can donate whatever mo- uh, amount you like. Much, much appreciated. So what we got, we got it funded now. We're going to get uh, Slade Ham is producing and directing it. Um, he's a comic and director, very good at both. He's great. Yeah, um, I love that dude. He's going to. We're going to find a venue. He's going to hire the best crew. And the best equipment, and we're going to film my stand-up sometime this summer. So my question is, why now? Uh, why not? I mean, you might say, if not now, when? Because I'm 72 years old. Uh, why not before? Why, why haven't you, you done know, it yet? Just lack of ambition. I think it's the. Uh, I didn't know how to go about doing it really, and it's not. I'm not a self. Unfortunately self-generating person i don't what i did was i just kind of wondered out loud on facebook <laughs> how, how, how would i go about doing this and slate saw the post and jumped right in and said here's how you do it and he's been the force behind it all the way so uh why not before i never expressed it out loud before and there was no slate ham around before to to kick me in the ass and get me going you need somebody like that. I, I do. Yeah. I do. I've never, and this has been a uh, a fault my entire life, my entire career. I've never really thought much past next Thursday. Uh, you know, I just, I got, you know, like I got a show tonight. I got a show uh, Sunday. I'm at Rudyard's Monday. That's about as far as my thinking normally would go. Now I got a uh, special I need to start to. Uh, thinking about and how do you feel about that how do you feel i'm very excited very excited it's, it's, it's this is going to be it for me uh uh i don't anticipate netflix calling any time in the near future and the fact of the matter is at 72 i don't have i have nothing but the near future there's, there's yeah. no there's no far future but you you have accomplished some things you were on america's got talent i was indeed had a great time on that show uh and there might be a few things uh, in, in, in the future. But, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this because I know with uh, the money we have now, it's going to be first class. And, you know, a, to get really egotistical about it, it's going to be a special that's all about me and all about my act and all about what I've been able to learn as a stand-up over the course of 40-plus years. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's been my life. Let's get it on film. Yeah. For whoever wants to see it can see it. And, you know, you get it on film, you do good. And then it's, you know, it's it's there forever. So is the plan to just put it on YouTube or you're going to chop it around? That's a, that was the initial plan, but we, we, we may get more ambitious than that. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I think that's great. I mean, like you said before, you are respected in the scene so much so that Slade Ham is doing all these things to help you get the money. 
to do your special. And you I was know? very touched and 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 by the support I got from the community. I think it's great. I think you're the funding. We you're did. beloved. Yeah. You're beloved in the Houston community for well, sure. Well, if if that's the case, I'm 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 blessed. You are. Yeah, I'm we, blessed. Exactly. You are very I am blessed. blessed. I think I think that's great. I think uh, you should have done it a long time ago, but it's good that you're doing it now. Well, you know, and this sounds like a a a rationale to explain away maybe bad decisions, but I really do believe, for the most part, it happens when it's supposed to happen. Uh, And you know, uh, I I, I'm a better comic now at 72 than I I was at 42. Yeah. So it if there was only going to be one better now than then the fact that you're still doing it now at 72 and at the level that you're doing it is a blessing for sure because there's so many comics that are at your age that just don't do it anymore well i think that's another reason maybe i might have the uh admiration of uh the community here is i still going after it hard with enthusiasm and doing it well so that that might be encouraging to people who are Ender twenty. Well, what if I'm doing this fifty years? Well, if I'm, if I could be just like Andy, yeah. If I could, I, yeah. I I may want to have accomplished more maybe than Huggins has at age seventy two. But if I can have his enthusiasm and work ethic at age seventy two, exactly. If I can be having as much fun at age seventy two as he is, let's get after it. Exactly. There's a future, yeah, over and beyond. So, I think you are a shining example of what it takes to be in this business for so long well thank you i think yeah it's great i mean i've always respected you i've always i've always loved your act uh i remember the first time i saw you when when i was at ruds i laughed so hard at uh your bit when you're pulling out the paper piece of paper and you're like oh there's nothing on this thing i yeah couldn't stop laughing the first time i saw uh yeah that was an ad lib at one point but now i do it I don't, not most, well, maybe most of the time I do it quite often, particularly, I don't do it at a paid gig. I don't take out my notes, Yeah. but at Rudyard's when I'm trying out new material, what did I forget to do? What did I want to do? And I'll take out the piece of paper. And then one night I ad-libbed, you know, the the sad thing is there's nothing written on this piece of paper that I'm staring at. And uh, it got a laugh. And so now I do it and I make it sound like. Yeah, I'm doing it for the first time, so it you know it got me yeah. so hard I couldn't stop laughing the yeah. first time I saw you. Yeah, I was just yeah that, engaged the yeah. whole time. Yeah, so that's uh, you know and that that's was, somebody uh, who thinks funny as I do, and then thinks quick enough to look at the oh here's something funny that I could say, and then and then later on skilled enough as a stand up to make it work. Every time I choose to do it. Exactly. Uh, you've worked so hard. And I think it's great that you're finally getting the money to do the special. Uh, is it going to be 45 minutes or an hour? It'd be 45 minutes. 45 minutes? Yeah. And then after that comes out, are you going to do another one? or? You know what, Joe? It takes so long. That one, I, I love doing one-liners for a lot of reasons. Most reasons. Uh but it takes so long to fill a, it takes so long to fill. It takes, I get five laughs per minute. Uh, that means if I'm doing 45 minutes, what's five times 45, 25, two, that's well over 
that's like 225 laughs to be strictly mathematical about yeah. it. That's a lot of fucking jokes. <laughs> that's a lot of fucking jokes. In, in order to find, in order to come up with 225 jokes that work. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying, I want to do more than just fill the time. I want it to be wire-to-wire laughs. Now, you want to hear something funny. Uh, I was, uh, when I used to work at the Door at Seeker Group, I would always listen to comics, right? And one day I got bored, and I had a piece of paper and a pen, and I wrote, I made a tally every time you got a laugh and made a joke. And for like a 10 to 15-minute set, it was about 30 to 35 jokes. Yeah. That was crazy. But I you was... know how many jokes I have to write in order to find a good one? That's another thing. See, that I... I bet I'd like to I'd like to say, well, one out of three work. It's not that good. Maybe one out of four. So that's a lot of writing. To, I mean, to get 225 jokes at work, I have to write over 800 jokes and try out over 800 jokes. And then if you take into account my process, which is writing and rewriting and rewriting, I can't leave a fucking joke alone. I got to go back and fiddle yeah, with it some I'm more. It just takes up. I'm not, it'd take too long to come up with a new 45. It would take too long to come up with a new 45. Yeah. So after I do this 45, I'll be writing new jokes, but, uh, uh, and, and, and mixing them in with the old jokes at, uh, you know, subsequent gigs, but yeah. Lord almighty, it just, it's, it, so, that's the yeah. one drawback i can think of to to one-liners well that's basically what i've heard seinfeld does he still has his act but he adds in new jokes every year yeah you know and you know freshens it up yeah so i i think it's great i think you're doing something amazing i hope the special is a hit you know wherever you we're put gonna it take out. our best shot certainly yeah i mean i think shout out to slade ham for helping you out indeed yeah. indeed slade's the man He's awesome. Uh, also, he has a, a podcast. It's called "It's Is This Thing On." That's great too. Yeah. Have you done that? I have not done yeah. it. I would love to do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, have not done it. Uh, is there any place they can find you? The audience can find you. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, or Facebook is is the best place because I post about all my gigs on uh, Facebook. Uh, let's mention this: uh, Come and Take It Comedy Festival. Uh, May 20th through the 22nd. I'll be a part of that. It's here in Houston. This is maybe the fifth, sixth, seventh uh, uh, year they've done it. They yeah. took off the pandemic because of the pandemic. Did they do one last year? But they 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 have uh, top flight headliners coming in from around the country. It's a great, it takes place at the Secret Group on Polk, 2100 uh, 2101 2101 Polk. Polk. Uh, yes. East downtown. Yeah, East downtown. And it's a great festival. It's a lot of fun. That's coming up in May, May yeah. 20th. We, uh, we talked about it. Uh, I talked about it on the podcast with Antonio Aguilar. Yeah. <laughs> well, y'all may have taken a different angle <laughs> than uh, uh, that we're taking at the moment. Yeah. And there's no need a... to rehash <laughs> that particular point of view. Uh, but they're. The points of view. It's the comedy community. Hey, people are entitled. You got this, you got that. Yeah, people are entitled to their opinion. Yeah. We'll say that. Yeah. But uh, uh, no, the secret group is great. Uh, Come and Take It is coming up, like you said, May 20th? 20th through the 22nd. 22nd, uh, okay. And yeah, if you're, if you're curious, uh, hit me up on Facebook. We'll, I'll, I'll friend you. At Andy Huggins? At Andy Huggins. And okay. then if you're interested in where I'm playing, I always post 
no matter how the uh, how small or I always talk about the the open mics I'm doing. Yeah, you know I got a ten minute uh, gig tonight at the secret group. I'll I've already posted about that. Best I'll of, be there. Yeah, tomorrow night Sunday ten minute Rudyard five minutes. I post about them all. I love doing stand up. I love audiences. Um, uh, as much as I pontificate about stand up, and I will is. Uh, we could probably go another eight hours if I didn't have to be someplace. But it's all about the audiences. Audiences will tell you everything you need to know. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I can uh, I can tell you very uh, 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 accurately and, and with a great deal of experience as to why a joke won't work. And if the joke works with the audience, fuck me. <laughs> the audience knows more than I do. The audience knows more than I do. Yeah, I always agree. I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, as, as far as I'm concerned, I have no ambition on stage. As and this is great if this is your ambition to 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 get across a particular point of view politically or socially. And maybe there's times in your act where you're going to be do a little uh, uh, editorializing, mm-hmm. if not lecturing. That's fine. Uh, I'm interested in nothing but laughs. I'm interested in nothing but laughs, which means the audience reigns supreme. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. And that's not the only way to go, but that's my way. That's a, that's a very good point. Uh, if you want to catch me, you can always get me on Instagram, Twitter, at the Jocosity. I'll TikTok as well now. T-H-E-J-O-E-C-O-S-I-T-Y. Facebook, at Joe Navarro. Uh, I, if, if I'm posting this Sunday for sure, then I have a show at the Seeker Group. Eight o'clock, I think it's either fresh bread or hot bread. Uh, I'm, that's the one I'm doing. Sunday. Hey, okay, I'll, yeah, I'll see you on no, that show. Yeah. Okay, and uh, let's see what else. I got my show next month, May 14th, Chillbra at PJ's, 8 p.m. Uh, check out my Instagram. Check out the Chillbra Comedy Show uh, Instagram. We got a new shout out to Enrique and his girlfriend Jasmine for making the video. It's a really good video, man. It's awesome. It's been getting a lot of views. Uh, the Instagram page is great. I appreciate y'all. If you follow it, uh, I appreciate you for listening. I, I love doing this podcast. I love having, you know, people like Andy. It was and fun. It, yeah, it was great, man. It's, yeah. I hope it was good for you. Yeah, it, it was. was for me. It was very, it was very chill and it was very profound. Even though the show is called Unprofoundly Chill, I feel like it is for the most part. But profound. we hit the chill part. Yeah, we're okay. chilling. We're chilling yeah, the, whole, yeah, the fuck, whole thing. Fuck unprofound. As long as we hit chill, <laughs> that's the important thing. If you're going to nail, if you're going to land anything, <laughs> land the chill. But thank you, Andy, for being you're on welcome. the podcast. Uh, thank you and, for having uh, me. I'll catch y'all next time. All right.